You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the PowerCat Podcast. GoPowerCat.com's Kansas State Athletics Show. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, from the GPC Studios, here's your host, GoPowerCat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to a special edition of the PowerCat Podcast. This isn't even really a post-game podcast because the game was days ago. I am back in Manhattan, Kansas. Brian Hanley is back in Texas from his holiday travels. And the Sugar Bowl is behind us a good four or five days now as we record this. Of course, that game was played on New Year's Eve down in New Orleans. Did not go the way K-State hoped it would go. But still, it was a very, very entertaining game in many ways and also a sign of the of the progress of Kansas State football and also the work that still needs to be done if they want to get to the elite status. But, Brian, let's just start off with your thoughts on the game. Overall, what did you think of K-State and Alabama? Well, I mean, it was kind of what I think all K-State fans were afraid of is that Alabama just was better than we were and that they had better football players. And that's what literally it turned to be. They just had a better football team. Doesn't mean we didn't have our moments because we did. Didn't mean that the game couldn't have been closer. I didn't think the game was very well coached. I'll be honest with you about that. I didn't think it was very well coached. I thought the plan was bad, but at the same time, you know what? It, it showed us everything wasn't bad. It showed us where we need to get to, you know, and, and I'm not saying K-State's going to go out and recruit a bunch of four and five star guys, but it just showed us where we need to get to, to get to where you want to compete for national titles, you know, and to get into the playoff. K-State's just got to get better. I thought the game overall was, it, like I said, it, it was just what I was afraid of, that Alabama was just that much better than we were, and they were better. I'm not saying they were 25 points better, but they were better than us. <laughs> uh, they uh, certainly were. They're, yeah, so that's just the fact of the matter of it, of it is. They were just a better team. Uh, so we get to the end of that first half. Kansas State is at the goal line attempting to take the lead. They're down 17-14. Will Howard misfires on a throw to Ben Sennett to give Alabama the ball at the two-yard line. And that that throw for me, Brian, was the first gamble that had gone wrong for K-State during the course of that game. They were hitting on almost every opportunity they had. They took some chances on third and fourth down, and they kept perpetuating drives. It was a really fun thing to watch in terms of that. But then eventually their luck ran out with that missed connection. And now that I sit here and look at it, they're down by three at that point. And over the next three minutes of the football game, 
50 yeah. seconds there in the end of the first half, and then two minutes to start the second half. Alabama scores 21 points. So three points yeah. becomes 24 points, and you lose by 25 points. It would seem to me that stretch was pretty important. Yes. Um, and it was impressive. I, I watched Kansas State football when you were playing in the late 90s. Do that to teams. Do the back-to-back possessions spread over the course of a halftime. Score, get the ball back, start the second half, and then score, and then K-State had a turnover over and they scored again I, I just can't help but wonder what changes about that game if that pass is completed and K-State takes the lead into halftime well my thing and you know you sit around and you're walking the game and with a bunch of old football guys is look it was the the, the go for it wasn't the issue it, that wasn't the issue at all the issue was is that you had lined up in a run formation on third down and ran the football fourth down. You do the same thing, but you run a one man route. You're not going to out athletic Alabama. You're just not no. going to do that. And if we tried to, to fool them fine, but you got to have more options than that because you don't even have a quarterback that if the, oh, if the, that has the option to, to run it in, if the pass isn't there, that wasn't going to be an option either. I just thought the play call in itself and the series of plays wasn't right to set us up. I just thought, you know what, if we didn't get it on third, just go ahead and kick it. I go, I also thought they could have run the time all the way down, call a timeout. And if you're going for it on fourth down, great. Don't give them a minute. It was like a minute and a half to go down the field. Don't give them that time. If you're going for it on fourth, great. Number one, force them to call a timeout, which I don't think they were going to do. And two, just run it all the way down, call a timeout, go for it. Then when we called a timeout, when we stopped them on first down, I thought we're asking for trouble. We are literally asking for trouble. We've seen this quarterback too many times with – that amount of time go down the field and it just came back to bite us. I mean, it just the athleticism in college football is a thing is a real thing and teams have an abundance of it and other teams don't. And they showed they had abundance of it and it, 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 Office. Yeah, it did. Uh, like you said, I, I'm glad they went for it on fourth down. I maybe sure. would have sequenced the plays a little differently, as you mentioned, but that wasn't the problem. <clears throat> and when he called the timeout after stopping Alabama on first down, I'm like, eh, I don't know yeah. about this. But you know what? That's that's kind of a reaction for a coach. That's what you typically do. You got a team, you know, back there on their goal line. Let's try to pin them up. Correct. And I, I do stop and wonder without that timeout, does Alabama say, okay, let's just run it and get out of here. We got the lead. We're getting the ball back. So right. maybe that was a miscalculation on Chris Kleiman's part. He mentioned in the post game he would do it again. And honestly, I'm fine with that, but it didn't work and it blew up on him. And then yep. I felt like literally the going for it on the onside kick right out of the second half yep. was was desperation. It went from gambling to desperation. We got to do something to get back in this game. And it just perpetuated the problem. Then you have the turnover with the interception, which I don't think was that poorly a thrown ball. You got to compete to get that catch. Yep. Um, and all hell broke loose. And then they kind of settled in and played better. I don't feel like Alabama pulled back. I I thought Nick Saban kind of showed indications. He wanted to run it up to make a statement about the college football playoff. So I credit K-State with that. But, boy, uh, I said this on my post-game walk and talk, or maybe it was a post-game uh, podcast I did with Cole Carmody. 
Chris Kleiman has not coached from behind much in his career, and sometimes it shows. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a thing. You know, it, it really is a thing, coaching from behind and understanding what's going on. I mean, it's a real thing. And I just think that, you know, for the the the, the onside kick, I mean, just what you said, it was absolute desperation. And also it shows your kids, you know what, maybe he doesn't really believe that we can stop him, you know, and you give them the ball right there. If you don't get it, I mean, I don't know. I I, I didn't like it. Uh, and I know coaches, I know he's looking for a spark. He's looking to do something, looking to stop him. But at the same time, I'm just, you know, it, 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 to me at that particular moment, you didn't have any momentum. And I know you're trying to get some, but I think the momentum shift comes from, you know what, we come out and get a three and out. That's where the momentum can shift and can get it back going in our favor. But once you didn't get that and then they scored and then, you know, we had the turnover, then it was just Katie bar the door. It just, you know what, there, there's an art to coaching from behind um, coach. I mean, I'm not going to question anything that he did. That's not what I'm doing. It's just, it's what you said. He hasn't done it a lot. Uh, and when you get against really, really good football teams, and Alabama is a really, really good football team, there's certain things that you have to do, and gambling isn't usually one of them. You know, sometimes you can't fully appreciate a player until you see him in person, and, and maybe that was the way Bryce Young was with me. I saw him last year. I thought he was worthy of the Heisman Trophy. In fact, that's who I voted for. I didn't even have him on my ballot this year because it just seemed to trend away from him. I feel bad that I didn't vote for him in any way on my ballot because he made a throw in the course of the game, a touchdown throw that I, I don't think you can throw a better ball at any level than that back corner end zone where he got it over the top of Julius Brents and dropped it in a bucket, which was his yeah. receiver's hands. Oh, my God, Brian Hanley, that is a big-time pass. Absolutely, yeah. Bryce Young's really good. He, he's really good. Uh, I know what all these other people are saying because he's slight of build and yep. and you know he's he can he stand up to the the pounding that you take in the NFL. Look, if you want the best quarterback as an NFL franchise, you draft Bryce Young. I don't care what. That's who you draft. That guy knows how to play quarterback. And he can make all the throws. He can do all the things that you want. It literally, that throw that you are talking about, it doesn't get better. And I'll be honest, I don't know that there's 15 NFL quarterbacks right now that can make that throw. Yeah. I, I just don't believe that. This guy, he's the real deal. He really is. I mean, even if you're standing out there on the field trying to drop the ball in a trash can in that corner from I don't know how far it was, 30, 40, 50 yards, that's impossible. Now do it with the defense while you're on the move and you can't see clearly and you don't know exactly where you got. It's unbelievable. It was unbelievable. And I'm so happy he played. I got to see him play, but I think it's really good for college football that Alabama stars lined up because, honestly, I didn't think they would. I think at the end of the day they were going to play some but not all. He played the whole game. In fact, they left him in longer than I thought they should, not because he was running the score up, but at some point you're like, well, we got this game won. Do we really need to keep Bryce in peril? But um, it, it, that's good for college football. I hope more kids watch that and say, hey, these kids are playing for their team. Maybe I should play for mine next year. Well, I mean, Nick Saban came out and said it. He's like, look, what are you going to do? 
get ready for a combine, go get ready for your 40 time. The best way that you can show NFL scouts that you're better is by actually playing football. And yes, I get the injury aspect is there, but you know what? The injury aspect is there running a 40. I mean, we saw a guy tear his Achilles at the combine last year. That actually that happened. I go, so, you know, when you're doing anything, there's a risk so the, the the reward, I would believe, would be greater of playing and showing how good you are than taking that extra risk. I don't know. You're you're 100% right. It's great for college football. And if these good, not just good, the best players in college football say, you know what, I'm going to play, then down the road, other guys should just say, you know what, I'm going to play. Because if anything... I just want to be out there with my teammates. If that's the last thing you think about is just being out there with your teammates one more time, that's good for college football. Yeah, I would agree. I want your opinion on this as a former player. Um, Am I reading too much into this that when I see a player that's healthy, doesn't have any substantial, you know, injury he's trying to nurse or doesn't want to aggravate, sit out a bowl game and abandon his teammates. I kind of think that if I'm an NFL GM, I'm like, no, Hello? that's kind of a strike against you. What do you feel as a former player? It was a great question you asked. I got several scouts in the NFL and that, that are friends of mine that I've known for 20-plus years. And their first thing that they, they asked me, and Brian, what would you do? And their comment back after I answer them, because my thing is I would just play. Um, but that's I, did, I wasn't a first-round pick. It was never going to be yeah. one. I go, so there's a different perspective coming from me. And that's what I would tell them. And they would say, you know what? But I don't care if you're a first round pick or a six round pick. The first thing that you would want to do or that we're going to look at is a guy and say, why don't you want to be out there with your teammates? Why don't you want to be out there? It can't just be about possible money. I go, because things are different now with NIL. So it can't just be if you're really this first round pick that you're thinking or whatever, it can't just be about that possible money. It can't be. So why else is it? And they always look at it and say to me is like, do your teammates like you? Do they even care? That's where their mind goes is what's the reasoning that you don't be don't want to be out there. And does anybody care? So to me, if I'm a guy, I just at least get out there. But that's where the the GMs and the scouts and that's where their mind goes. Fits it's it's the why, why don't you? And it can't just be worried about injury because do you know how many guys have played in a bowl game before all this started trending? Nobody ever sat out. No. And how many guys actually got hurt in that game? Yeah. I mean, if we're if we're being honest with ourselves, I know it have it's happened a couple of times here, you know, recently, and that's why guys started sitting out. But before that. How often did that actually happen where a guy got hurt and couldn't play the next year or it hurt his draft status? If it happened 10 times, I bet you it happened 10 times over 50 years. So what are we talking about? And that's what they think about. And I think that's what guys have to really start thinking about is, look, man, this one game, I know it's a risk, but every time you step on a football field, it's a risk. I go, so if you're saying, well, I don't want to do this because of money, money can't be the, the end-all factor. Not to mention, an NFL GM and a scout isn't necessarily going to want to pick you if all you're thinking about is money. That That's not attractive to them in their eyes, just like it wouldn't be for any employer. The only thing you're thinking about is money? Well, do I really want you? 
So that the, this is real business, and people have to really think about that. It's a business, and I sometimes I think these guys get the the wrong advice. I just do. Yep, I agree with you one hundred percent. Boy, it it was impressive to see Alabama in person, um, but I don't know how far off K State is from competing. But I know this. They beat TCU, and they're playing for a national title. And Brian and I will talk about the state of Kansas State football, where the Wildcats sit, and maybe take a peek at that Georgia-TCU game right after this break on the PowerCat Podcast. GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat Podcast continues after this short break. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to the Power Cat Podcast. Now, let's return to the GPC Studios. Welcome back to the Power Cat Podcast, a special edition of the Power Cat Podcast. As Brian Hanley and I look back at the Sugar Bowl, we've done that. Folks, you can keep listening. We're not going to talk about it anymore. I know it's painful. <laughs> and we're going to look ahead. And let's start with this. Deuce Vaughn declares for the NFL draft. Um, I have been saying it for a while. I don't know that Deuce would have been served by another year of college football. I think at this point, he is what he is. He's not going to grow. He's not going to get bigger or maybe not faster. And he doesn't have much more that he can prove at the college level. I don't know where he's going to be drafted. It'll be intriguing to see how NFL teams actually view him as a weapon. But I'm really, really happy for Deuce Vaughn. He's a great young man. He's from your neck of the woods down there in uh, Texas. He's in Round Rock. Boy, I tell you what, um, I'm happy for him, but it is a big loss for Kansas State football, isn't it? It's a, a huge loss, but you know what? It's more of a success and a, I, I would guess, a, a mark on our program as an honor for him to play for us and to, to get him into our program. It's it's a better thing. I know it's a huge loss for him to leave, but it's it's better that he came to K-State and stayed for three years at K-State. That is more of an upside and shows what kind of program we are um, to be able to bring in somebody like this. Yes, I get it. A lot of teams didn't, you know, didn't recruit him, didn't want him. But I would guarantee you there was a ton of teams that wanted him after year one. Even more, I mean, there wasn't a team in the country that didn't want him after year two and, and was probably approached by pretty much everybody about coming there after year two. And he didn't leave. I go, that shows where we are as a program. It also shows a lot about that young man as an individual and how much he loves his teammates and also how much they loved him. So it just goes to show what kind of person he is. Look, I think everything is great as far as the program and what he did for the program. All of that is outstanding, but I I think he's a better human being than football player. And that says a lot because he's a hell of a football player. I just think he's a better human being. And I don't even know him. I literally don't know him. All I know is from the people that I do know within the program and the questions that I ask, everybody loves him. You don't hear a bad word about him. I'm not saying he's perfect. I go, but you just don't hear bad things about him. To me, that is the mark 
of an outstanding number one uh, football player person. And that's the kind of people we have at K-State right now. Yeah, absolutely. I would imagine Felix Anidike Uzama will follow him to the NFL. Um, I think a bunch of offensive linemen will probably return. There's some other guys we're curious about. But I also feel this way. And with some of these guys... You know, it's best that they move on. I'm certainly not saying that about Felix or Deuce. And it's best that maybe Kansas State football, you know, let some of the young guys move up. But that's a compliment to where I think Chris Kleiman has this program. I think this program is evolving as we see it. We see guys like Ben Sennett kind of erupt into a player that can play on the field with Alabama, period. He can. He's yes. good enough. Uh, yes. And I think they have some other young guys in this program. I don't feel like K-State will take a step back like we saw Oklahoma State and Baylor do a year ago when they played in the Big 12 Championship and then kind of fall down into the middle of the pack this year. I think TCU and K-State will be up there fighting for another title next year. But I'm just curious, do you feel like K-State football is on sound footing? I believe K-State football is on excellent footing, Fitz. Uh, They're taking a step forward. And I know I've mentioned this a couple times, several times on the podcast, and just to people in general, is K-State has figured out this transfer portal thing. You've got to be able to put your team together every year. It's like a professional team now. Now, I'm not talking about paying and all that kind of stuff. I'm just talking about how you have to put together a football team year to year. That's what's required now. And we are doing an outstanding job of understanding where to get guys and plug them in and have them fit into our culture, number one, fit into what the coaching staff is wanting them to do and have them be able to excel at doing that. And that's the difference right now. That's the difference is that we have a program and and people are going to see it. They're like, hey, if he came from here, 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 and I'm not talking about the guys coming from Alabama or Georgia to come and play. They're coming from all over the place, lower level, but they're coming to Kansas State and succeeding and excelling. And I go, guys want that. All they want is a chance to play. That's literally all they want is a chance to play at the biggest, at the top level. That's what they want. And if you can see that and a guy doing that and then Kansas State comes and calls and says, hey, you know what? I think you'll be a good fit here. Guys are going to come. And we are in outstanding shape. That's just where we are. I think we do a better job of anybody just grabbing guys and putting them in and playing than anybody in the country. There's going to be teams that get more transfers and get them from from bigger programs. But I don't know that there's anybody that's gotten guys to be to come from any program and be more successful than what Kansas State has. I believe the program is on sound footing and just ascending. And then you throw in well, the top 30 recruiting class, depending on what, you know, yeah. uh, you know, publication you want to look at the top 30 recruiting class on top of that. K-State's got it going on right now, Fitz. We, we do. You know, I talked to Cade Warner and Drake Cheatham after the game. And of course, Cade came two years ago from Nebraska and he's so thankful for his opportunity to play football at Kansas State and go to bowl games and play at a high level and have success that he didn't realize in Lincoln, which is just so strange to say as someone who's been around football for a while. And Drake Cheatham, of course, was the second player in a row to come up from Prairie View A&M at the FCS level and find success behind Reggie Stubblefield. And those two guys, if you ask them, Kansas State football changed their lives forever. They've had such a varied success in finding guys in the portal, but they always start with quality of character. Yep. And 
and they don't compromise on talent necessarily, but they're not going to take you just because you're talented. You better fit into that locker room culture. That's right. Because that culture is something special right now. And as Coach Snyder always said, it changes every year. You've got to protect it and, you know, hope your your leaders, your captains step forward and keep it going. But they've got it going. And if they keep that culture, they will keep winning because when you have a good culture, you win close games. When you're exactly. well coached, you win close games. Yep. And that's exactly what's happened. That culture is absolutely incredible. I know you played in a good one, but it means the world to a team. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I know everybody believes that, you know, talent oversees everything. And for the most part, it does. But you can have a bunch of talented guys that are a bunch of jerks that don't get along. I promise you those teams just don't win. They just don't. You don't see that. And I mean, you got to have a culture where guys are bought in and want to fight for one another. I go, and when you do, your team will win. Now, granted, yes, you want to have the most talented guys, but it's what you said earlier, Fitz. That's very key. We don't sacrifice talent to have culture guys. It just means we have guys that have good character that just happen to be talented as well. That is the key, and we have just done an outstanding job of that, and we're not going to sacrifice it. It doesn't seem like I – I just don't believe that the coaching staff – I don't believe the players are going to allow it. They're not going to allow guys in the locker room that are me-first guys. I just They're not going to allow that because it, it, when I was at K-State, you couldn't be that way to win. First of all, Coach Snyder wasn't going to allow it. That's number one. But number two, the locker room just wasn't going to allow it, man. Yeah. We, did, we didn't have a bunch of me first guys. We had a bunch of talented individuals, but nobody was me first. And, you know, that's just the way you got to do it at K-State. You know, you got to have everybody together. You know, and, and the team, the, the program, the culture is outstanding. Could not be more proud of what they have built. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. It really is. And they're rather healthy at quarterback with Will Howard coming back. And as you mentioned, Avery Johnson in this recruiting class coming in. Got Jake Rubley, Adrian Lara. They got some dudes, man. That's a great yeah. quarterback room. And if I know this, and, uh, I think Iowa State fans know this. If you're bad at quarterback, doesn't matter how good your defense is, doesn't matter how good that top receiver is, you're Ooh. bad. And they bad. had a great defense and one of the best receivers in the nation, and they were bad because you yep. can't be bad at quarterback. Cannot be bad at quarterbacks. I mean, I know everybody says it's the most important position in sports, and I believe that it is wholeheartedly, but you cannot, especially the way college football is played, you cannot be bad at quarterback and have a successful team. It just doesn't work. No, no, not at all. Brian, I I think this was a good step for Kansas State. I thought they would compete better. I that. That shock and awe football Alabama played for three minutes was so impressive. And I thought this game would be closer. Hell, I thought K-State would win. I didn't think Alabama would be that emotionally invested in the game. And credit to this is why he's a great coach. He, yeah. Nick Saban got his guys ready for a game that they didn't really want to play. They wanted to be in the playoff, and maybe they deserved to be in the playoff. But let me take it this way. Do you think what Alabama did and how they played as the fifth seed lets everyone know why it's important to be at a 12-team playoff? Because I think Alabama would have kicked the snot out of Michigan or Ohio State. But because of those losses they had, they didn't earn the right to be there. They didn't deserve to be there based on how the measurement goes this year. But when they get to 12 teams, if Alabama's the fifth seed and it's that team that we just saw, watch out. They might win it all. 
Exactly. You know, I, I think it's a better argument of why there should be 12 teams or eight teams or whatever versus them deserving to be there because a team that deserves to be there doesn't lose to an LSU team. And let's just call it what it is. Right. They built LSU up to be this great team because they wanted it. Yeah, there's an SEC bias. There just is. LSU was an average football team this year. They were. But there are no if ands, or buts. I don't care what they did in the bowl game against a team, the Purdue, that lost their coach and pretty much everybody and didn't want to be there. LSU was an average football team. You can't lose to them. You just can't. Tennessee was pretty good. I'll give them credit. Tennessee was was a pretty good football team. I think they've got some stuff going forward where Tennessee's going to actually be really good. But Alabama didn't earn it. They, they just didn't. Um, you know, and again, I'm going to be bitter. Uh, but I believe that we earned it back in 1998. We earned it more than Florida State did. We lost the last game in overtime, on double overtime, to the number nine team in the country. They got smoked by a five and six team, but yet they put them ahead of us because of when they lost. I'm always going to be bitter about that, but I always come back to, you know what? We didn't have to lose. So Alabama didn't deserve it, but yeah, I think it's more of a – deserving because I, I think Alabama could win the whole thing if they were in, if they had got in, I really do. I think they could have won the entire thing. I just think they were playing their best football at the end of the year. Um, but who's to say, but I, I definitely think that the playoff has to expand. I do. Yeah. Four is not enough. It's not yeah, enough. I'm really happy about it, but I'm also really happy for TCU because that's a really good football team. i I actually, yep. I'm going to brag. It was one of the bets I got right, and it was the biggest bet I made. I bet them money line. I thought they were going to win. I know you you thought otherwise, but they they found a way to get through that game and, and come out on top. But I don't think they match up with Georgia. Although, again, I think on a given day, we've seen from we saw it from Alabama. You just mentioned lost LSU. I can't explain how Georgia struggled to beat Missouri. So on any given day, TCU might be able to get it done. I don't think they get it done, but just their presence in the national championship game as a non-name brand program for the new Big 12 is absolutely enormous. I think the world now knows that the Big 12 is here to play football. Absolutely. Absolutely. Here's the thing. I didn't think that TCU would win. I just thought, I thought they'd beat the spread. I, there was no way I thought they were getting beat by Michigan by sad. It's like, no, it's going to be closer than that. I don't think they'll win, but it'll definitely be closer. Having said that Georgia, you know, they have a really good defensive line. The back seven though, the receipt, I mean, Ohio state torched them. So if you can block their front, Front guys long enough to get guys open now. I do believe that C.J. Stroud is better than Mac Duggan. I, I believe that. But I believe that Duggan is pretty good. I know he's pretty good. Mm-hmm. If you can just get some separation, he can get them the ball. So it's, it's a matter of how good the O-line is and how well they can protect uh, because he can move around. Stroud doesn't even move around, and he was able to move around and create plays uh, against Georgia. So I, I, I think Georgia's better. But I'm just not going to count TCU out, man. I've been doing it all year. I've been counting them out all year. I'm just not going to do that in the championship game. I'm just not going to do it. I think they have a chance. I think Georgia is better uh, because Georgia can run it. And I think Georgia will be will be able to run it on them. And I think that might be the difference. But TCU, there's just something about them. 
there's just something about them. That's- yep. They they know how to win. They know how to compete. And it all starts with their quarterback, who, by the way, wasn't even their starter. <clears throat> it's, inc- no, it's an incredible story. Crazy. It really is. Um, I hope Jerome Tang is in the process of replicating the first-year coach magic in the Big 12, but we'll see how that plays out. <laughs> You're a football guy, but you got to be loving basketball, too. Oh, my goodness. I love it. I, I mean, just the, what's K-State's doing right now? I know they haven't played a ton of, of talented football or basketball teams. I get that part of it. But you know what? I can say this honestly, and I'm not going to badmouth anybody. There's zero chance if we have the same coaching staff, staff from last year to this year, and we play the same schedule, there's no way that we're sitting here with one loss. That's just not possible. I love what they're doing. I love his enthusiasm. I love that the guys are bought in. I love how athletic, and and we play to the strengths of what we have. He is not saying, hey, you got to do it this way. Hey, you guys like to get out and run? Let's get out and run. Let's be athletic. Let's go win basketball games. I love it. I just love it. It is something else to watch and uh i i wish i had been in austin for the beat down of the longhorns 116 Ooh. points are you kidding that's that's a <laughs> two and a half games in years gone by uh but i will be there in waco on saturday to watch the cats and the bears and jerome tang's homecoming absolutely brian, brian i appreciate all you've done all season for us and over the last umpteen years that you've been helping us out i hope it continues but also you're doing some stuff on your own i want you to take a moment here explain what you're up to now and how people can find you on social media because you're just kind of laying the foundation for something i hope really turns into something cool for you yeah i appreciate that i am right now am starting all just doing podcasting and just trying to make it a show and you know right now i'm on youtube uh at big b sports talk you can find me on there please come and subscribe uh leave comments even if you hate the show tell me you hate it uh, but i'm also at the big b sports talk the podcast is everywhere that you get you know uh, your podcast we're out everywhere um but that's basically what we're doing i've changed kind of the format i'm gonna start doing interviews i'm gonna have you on as soon as i possibly can uh interviewing a lot of k-state but obviously football players that i know uh and we just get into that aspect of it and just talk either football life sports in general just talk all kinds of stuff and just kind of dive into it that way i've i've wanted to do this for a really really long time and never did it uh, now's the opportunity for me to be able to do that. Uh, I love talking K-State sports. I'll talk it to anybody, anytime. Uh, I talk all kinds of – I'm mainly basketball and football. I mean, that's what I did. So I, I don't know a whole lot of other stuff, but that's basically what we're doing right now. Uh, also, I also want to talk about a LTV sports, which is what me and Darren Howard are doing together. We have put something together that we're – it's also another podcast where we're interviewing guys basically from a, a Facebook page that we – We've created uh, and putting that out there and well, he created, not really me. He created and we've got a group of about 2,500 followers on there that get in there and talk sports all the time. So now we're starting to interview guys from that particular page and doing like one-on-ones, <clears throat> me versus them. So it's really fun, and, and we're having a lot of fun with it, but that's basically what we're doing, Fitz. I appreciate you giving me that opportunity, uh, but really, Big B Sports Talk is where I'm at. You can find it anywhere. 
uh, YouTube, online, Spotify, Google, you know, everywhere that you get a podcast. But if you want the, the video with it, just go to YouTube and that's what we're doing. That sounds beautiful. And you do TikTok. And you don't dance, thank God, but you do do TikTok. I enjoy your uh, your TikToks. Uh, I'm, I'm proud of you, man. You, this is really cool. You know, one of the things coming out of the pandemic is a lot of us sat there and go, do I really want to do this for the rest of my life? And I came yeah. to the conclusion, yeah, I do. I'm Now that I'm working at home, it brought new life to it. And you decided it's time to do something different. Absolutely. Absolutely. Very cool. Thank you. Brian, thank you so much. And that's it for this edition of the PowerCat Podcast. I'm not sure if it was a post game, a questions. I'm not sure what this was, but I hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back in about 24 hours with our questions podcast. And then look out for our coverage coming from Waco. We're going to have some fun down there. The Tang Gang is going home. Jerome Tang and Baylor Saturday down at the Farrell Center. Thank you for listening to the PowerCat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com. PowerCat.